Thanks for tuning into the Happiness Playbook, a podcast that supports your practice of play theory, a life strategy that cultivates hope, generosity, and validation of self and others. Here at the Happiness Playbook, we believe life is a team sport and we're all in this together. So let's join forces as we focus on the positive and share tips and practices to up your happiness game. I'm Larie Florence, and I'll be your host for this episode of the Happiness Playbook. It's time for our team huddle. How are we doing out there? Full disclosure, I'm feeling a little bit like a whiny child starved for attention. Someone, please respond via comment on the website, a rating, or a review. If you know me personally, reach out. Let me know what you thought of this episode. I'm dying. You could also message the Happiness Playbook on Instagram. But enough negative. It's time for some positive on our highlight reel. The news tends to be loaded with so many headlines about the challenges we all face. It's easy to believe that there's nothing good happening out there. So we went looking to find the happiness, and here's just one of many good news stories. You can find this one on Good News Network, and we will put the link on our website. The title says it all. Stingless bees bring life back to the Amazon with medicinal honey and new income. I like that. Stingless bees. It's the best of both worlds. Before we get into our weekly play-by-play, let's review last week's challenge. Were you able to be curious instead of judgmental? How did it go? Here's something that happened to me. I had ordered some food for myself and my family who was visiting in town at Costa Vida. Love Costa Vida. I use their app all the time. Never had a problem. And my family had sent in their order because they were at home and I was out on errands and I was going to pick up it and then go home. So I had ordered separately. When I got to the restaurant, they had the order that my family had placed, but they didn't have mine. And at first there was that frustration. They're waiting on me. I don't want to take the time. It's a busy day. I had it on my phone. I could see that I had done everything correctly, but the restaurant had a problem. And I felt that feeling welling up in me. And I remembered the challenge of being curious and not judgmental. And instead of condemning the restaurant or the employees as having a problem or being understaffed, which is really common in today's world, I asked myself the question, I wonder how it feels to be them right now. It's a busy time of day. Somebody shows up. Their order isn't done. I wonder if they're afraid that I'm going to be angry. I wonder if they're overwhelmed. I wonder how hard it is to show up every day when they're understaffed. And as I asked myself these questions, that feeling absolutely melted. And then the beautiful thing was I was able to be calm and kind. And the employee who was helping me, we worked it out. And I think she threw in a few extra beans on her salad. And I walked out of there feeling great. Maybe it cost an extra 10 minutes of my day. But I didn't spend any extra energy on negative vibes. And so it was completely worth it. I I hope you had a positive experience as well and that you'll remember that play to ask questions and to be curious instead of being judgmental. All right, we're going to move into our play-by-play for this week. We're going to talk about a property called Anti-Fragility. There's a book out by Nassim Nicholas Taleb. 
titled Anti-Fragile, and this concept was something that he has fleshed out. There's a lot of discussion about it, and it's talking about a property of systems in which the increase in capacity to thrive as a result of stressors, shocks, volatility, noise, mistakes, faults, attacks, or failures. And to be clear, it's not the same as being resilient. Being resilient, you're able to resist shocks and you'll stay the same. But with um, the property of anti-fragile, you'll actually improve. We'll put a link in the show notes to the article that I'm referring to, but you're welcome to check out the book by Nassim Taleb. But just for our purposes, we're going to do more of a shallow dive. A basic example of something that's anti-fragile comes from mythology. If you think about the monster, the Hydra, what happens when one of its head was cut off? Two would grow back. So every time it faced that stress or damage, it would not only recover, it would become more dangerous or more powerful. I experience this when I'm out in my garden pulling weeds. If I don't cut the entire weed out of the ground, if I just break off the top part, it seems like the weed sends out two branches or the the roots get stronger and it comes back more uh, able to withstand my efforts. We see this when we when we prune plants. A lot of times, if you cut off one branch, it will it will put out two new branches where the one was. There's an idea that when you're learning safety strategies. So if you think about a snowboarder or a gymnast, when they fall, they will adapt and learn how to fall more safely or fall better. So it's less disruptive to what they're doing and improves their their game. In cybersecurity, it's a great example of a system because as a system receives more threats, then they become more adaptive to those threats. They're more, uh, their understanding about what a threat is and their capacity to detect threats increases and the system becomes more secure. Airlines are considered an anti-fragile industry because when a plane does crash, which is always very unfortunate, the other planes are able to access all of the information that is gained from that incident and they up their safety protocol, everybody learns from it, and they get better in order to avoid future catastrophes. In our natural world, a bacteria, if you think about some of the superbugs that we have now, they have been attacked by our antibiotics, but then they have learned from it and adapted and come out stronger from it. In our own bodies, our immune system, it's the same idea when we are exposed to a virus. Our immune system will look for ways to get around it or to attack that virus and to kill it. And then the next time we're exposed to that virus, in the ideal world, our immune system is stronger. A great example of this in the opposite is we've learned recently that when people don't have any animals or pets or their house is super clean then their immune response doesn't become as robust and they're more affected by allergies later in life. 
There's one last system that I want to talk about, and that is our muscles and their development. So you think about when you are lifting weights, you will do the reps until the muscle is so worn out and fatigued, it starts to actually, the muscle cells will have damage. And then you'll stop doing the rep and you'll wait, you'll come back to it in a day or two, and then the muscles have repaired, and as they've repaired, they've grown stronger, so the next time you hit that set of muscles, you can do more. And that's why you'll see bodybuilders, they'll they'll do arms one day and legs the next day, they don't do arms every day. If you do the same muscle group every day, you don't see as much actual growth in the muscle. So I want you to think about that as we talk more about this principle of anti-fragility. If you think about the two play theory principles, accept and build, and let go and play, they really overlap. It's, it's hard sometimes to separate the four play theory principles because there is a lot of overlap between them, but we have organized them in this way because they're, they're commands or directives that are proactive, giving you instruction on things to take action and do, and accepting and building, it's similar to letting go and playing. If you think about uh, accepting a loss or accepting a hardship or letting go of a disappointment or letting go of frustration and building on whatever that challenge is or continuing to stay in the game and playing despite a disappointment. I don't know if I'm explaining that well, but it's, it's tricky, but they, they do overlap. And I wanted to use this game to help illustrate this point. The game's called Accept the Loss. And in the game, you have a group of people who agree to play, and they'll take turns cycling through these different positions. Three of them will be the people who are throwing out answers, and one person will be the caller. The caller is the supreme power. They can say thumbs up or thumbs down, kind of like the Roman emperors in the gladiator games. And you can't challenge their their verdict. The caller will throw out a category. And then the caller gets to point to one of the other three people indiscriminately whenever they want to. And when that other person standing in the line is pointed at, they have to make a statement about something that fits in that category. So if the caller says cars, and he points to the first person in the line, they would say Buick. And then he might point to the second person, he might point to the first person again. There's no order. And then that person who he points at has to come up with another car. Maybe it's Tesla. And if they don't, if they get it wrong, if they stall, whatever um, amount of time the person who's pointing decrees is unacceptable, then the person, ideally they'll have a buzzer. If not, they'll just make that annoying sound of ah. And the person who lost, and I'm using my quotation, air quotations, then steps forward and raises their hands in the air and takes a very deep bow while the rest of the people who are playing the game give thunderous applause. And the game is literally called Take the Loss. So it's important to understand it's goal is not to avoid the loss, which is the way most of the world works or thinks in our today's world, is that we should avoid the loss at all costs. In this game, 
we learn the value of accepting the loss and leaning into how that feels and moving forward. Because guess what? As you play this game, you're going to cycle back through. The person who was the caller then becomes one of the people, and a new person is called up from the from the audience to become the caller. So ideally, everyone has a chance to experience all of the roles. And this is a transformative game. I really see people's mindsets click when we play this because I think so often we raise the stakes so high that we feel like there's nothing after the loss, that it's over. And it's just not true. And these two principles of accept and build and let go and play help us remember that because we can let go of our disappointment, let go of that loss, and we're still playing the game, whether we're enjoying the game from the view of the audience or we step into a different role. And if we are, you know, if it's something that we didn't anticipate happening, we can accept that that's where we're now at and make the most of it. You accept and build. So maybe you didn't want to lose in the game as soon as you did, but now you're in the audience and you can be the best audience member. You can really enjoy it. Or maybe you step into the role of caller and you can have a great time experiencing that role. And life is like that. It's tell your dad it's not over. So keep playing and keep finding opportunities to build. Children are the very best at these two principles. And it's interesting, one of the articles that I read about anti-fragility talked about how child's play is a form or a system of this idea of anti-fragile. Because children don't get it right when they play. They are doing their best to model adult behavior and family structure. And even as they learn language, they're going to throw out so many bad answers before they get it, quote unquote, right. And they keep going. And when they they learn part of a word right, they accept that part, and then they keep trying to build until they've learned the rest of the word. It's been fun to watch my my year-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter as she's learning language. And from day to day, you can see her vocabulary expanding, even if it's half a word at a time. And then another day, she'll surprise you with a whole new sentence. But she's learning these things on a trial basis. She's making lots of mistakes, but she keeps playing. And she's not focused on the mistake. She accepts where she's at, and she keeps going. And we need to adapt that kind of mentality if we really want to improve. Children grow exponentially compared to adults. We just flatline, and a lot of times we become really rigid Uh, I heard an interview with Elon Musk recently where he described how adults seldom change their minds. So I want to share an article. This is the title. Scientists prove that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. We'll put the link in the show notes if you want to read the whole thing, but here's an excerpt. The researchers studied the relationship between professional failure and success for young scientists. They found, in contrast to their initial expectations, that failure early in one's career leads to greater success in the long term. And here's the caveat, for those who try again. I thought this really was a great example of what I was trying to explain with young children. Young children are going to have tons and tons of failures. And if they keep trying, they will succeed. And if we could adapt that as we move into our teenage years 
or our young adult years, or even as we're moving through all of the stages of life, we're going to have failures as we step into new territory. And that doesn't mean that we're a failure. If we could accept it's part of our journey and build on it, we'd all be so much better off. There's a author, Mark Manson, and he shared this. But when we avoid pain, when we avoid stress and chaos and tragedy and disorder, we become fragile. Our tolerance for day-to-day setbacks diminishes, and our life must shrink accordingly for us to engage only in the little bit of the world we can handle at one time. Unquote. I love that quote because it really does summarize what's at stake if we refuse to let go and play, if we refuse to accept what our circumstances are and build on them and instead try to dig our heels in and, and change our circumstance or deny that it's our reality. So I want to wrap it up with this last example of an anti-fragility principle. You may have heard of the Biosphere 2, which was this environment that they created that was fully self-contained. It's currently in Arizona. But something that was interesting that surprised the scientists was that they had a problem with the, the trees that they didn't anticipate. The trees inside the biosphere grew rapidly, more rapidly than they did outside of the protected environment in the, the dome created but they also fell over before they reached maturity. So they looked into this and they found that the root systems and the outer layers of bark had not developed properly. And they determined that this was because of a lack of wind. And the wind is what helps a tree develop what is called stress wood, which helps the tree have flexibility and survive some of the challenges in life. So that's a good reminder. We don't want to avoid all stress and disappointment. Remember Disney's movie Wally? When we accept a defeat and learn from it, we can build on it. When we take on a challenge, we have an opportunity to be stretched and to grow. Otherwise, we grow passive and weak and we have less capacity. So remember as a kid how many times you skinned your knees? But you got up. You kept going. You didn't stop riding your bike or stop running or playing tag. Growth and development require risks and mistakes, and they're worth it because we're better for it. Helen Keller was an amazing person. She was deaf and blind and yet went on to achieve truly great things in her life. She says, Security is mostly a superstition. It does not exist in nature, nor do the children of men as a whole experience it. Avoiding danger is no safer in the long run than outright exposure. Life is either a daring adventure or nothing. I love that idea. We can't escape the risks. We can't escape the scraped knees. We have to embrace the opportunities we have and accept that there are going to be challenges learn from it, grow from it, and keep going. So one last clarification, just because I know there are a lot of people, especially in our current culture, that are experiencing true trauma. I don't want to diminish how hard that is or or put out the idea that I'm inviting people to look for trauma. Trees are strengthened by winds, not hurricanes or tornadoes. So don't run out there looking to find your own trauma and in thoughts that it will 
make you stronger. That's not what I'm saying. Trauma creates wounds that need healing and repair. So be kind to yourself, just not too kind. So here's this week's challenge. When you're feeling stressed or anxious, frustration, anger, resentment, can you take a breath and build on it by asking the question, how can this be strengthening me? And remember that just like when we strengthen our muscles, we need time to recoup and let them rebuild. And we also need proper nutrition to see the positive changes we're hoping for. Thank you for being a member of Team Happy and for letting us be a part of your happiness practice. We hope you'll share the podcast and invite others to join our movement as we all work together to build a community of positivity. We're so glad you're a part of it. Definitely be sure to tune in next week. We'll be sharing a valuable tool to exponentially increase your emotional well-being. Catch you next time.